Okay, so I literally finished Melissa Nutting's new book, Made for Love, five minutes ago. So this may be the hottest take you'll ever hear on this book. Uh, Alyssa Nutting's uh, book, Made for Love. Uh, okay, no, um, got a take, gonna do a take. It's, um, got a take in me somewhere. Go on. Sentence PC and the on Twitter on the Twitter site. I'm going to be talking about Alyssa Nutting's Made for Love. Uh, it's not a new release. Uh, I think it came out in the middle of last year, but um, it's been one of those ones that's been on my to read list for a while. Um, I'm not sure quite why. I mean, it's, it's a really good book, and Miss um, Nutting is a really good writer, uh, but I, I, I'm not like a fan. I, I've never read her um, her big debut book, Tampa. I've never read her short story collection, which is called Unclean Jobs for Women and Girls. I've never been a student of hers, hers at a Grinnell College. I don't even know where Grinnell College is. So I'm not sure why I wanted to read this, but um, I'm glad I did because Made for Love is actually really quite good. And I've really have just like literally just finished reading it. it took me a couple of days and those were not long days so this has really come at me fast like uh data coming down a fiber optic cable on a 56k modem which is kind of what it's about um so hazel is i'm doing the plot by the way this is I'm not just, I just like start talking about some other stuff that happens to some people. This is like me talking about a plot. Hazel. She is married to Byron, Byron Gogol, G-O-G-O-L, like Google, like the search engine. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are Bing fans out there. Uh, they have um, positive connections to uh, the term Bing through um, the show Friends. But... Um, a lot of you are still using Google. I don't, I'm not sure why, because Bing does provide a superior search experience. Now that Ask Jeeves is um, sadly gone the way all good butlers do. So Byron runs a nebulously defined technology company that does 
more or less everything. Yeah, probably the closest analog would be Apple. They seem to do um, phones. Uh, they seem to have technology for every part of your everyday life. There's like a sleep helmet they do. There's um, virtually everything, and they have Google Google stores, which seem to be a lot like Apple stores. But they also uh, broker and collect data, kind of like Google do. So they're a, a stand-in for the entire uh, tech with a capital T world, uh, which we'll be talking a bit more about later, because um, some people, like myself, aren't entirely convinced that the uh, tech with a capital T world is doing all that much good for people. Um, spoilers, Bitcoins. So Hazel's married to Byron Google, she runs away from him after he suggests putting a chip in her head which will allow them to share thoughts in a kind of mind meld uh, dealy. And um, she moves back in with her father who has just uh, purchased a one of those like real dolls. Uh, the term real doll is never used here but it is clear it's a, it's a real doll. So if you've been living under a sexless rock for a while, real dolls are just very, very high-end uh, sex dolls, like like a blow-up doll, but silicon, near lifelike, but very, very deep in Young Canny Valley. Like, just has a little farm there, raises cattle in the Uncanny Valley. And um, so he's just purchased one of those. But B-plot, uh, there's a fellow named uh, Jasper, who is a con man, and he's got a quite good cod. So, you know how in like uh, Chuck Polinick, that's how you pronounce it by the way, Polinick, uh, you know how in his books he like does stupid research and like when he when someone's going to do a con, they, he finds out the really interesting uh, imaginative one. Like there was a whole bunch in Fight Club, uh, there was some in Lullaby, there was I haven't read a bunch of his stuff since I was a teenager, so maybe he doesn't have interesting cons in his books anymore. I think he's got a new one out real soon, though. So Jasper has a con. He meets uh, women. He's a pretty good-looking guy. Uh, he meets them. They fall in love. He asks for money from them. And then he breaks up with them. Such a good con. Like, you can't, like, as he says to one of the women he's conned in the book, like, you can't call the police on this. You gave me the money of your own free will. Then we broke up. There was no contract that said I have to give you back the money unless we were together a certain amount of time. I can just like keep his money now. Such a good con. And here I'm thinking of starting a Patreon when I could be, you know, making my way through Calgary's divorcees and getting some of that sweet cougar coin. So he's doing that, but. So he's, it's set in uh, Florida, kind of like Tampa, I assume was. And he, Jasper, is in the uh, ocean. Is it the ocean? Yes, it's the ocean. Is it a Car if it's the Caribbean Sea, is that, is there a Caribbean Sea? I'm not gonna look this up, but I'm gonna be thinking about it for a while. Please um, at me with your suggestions about whether if you go to the sea. It's the Gulf of Mexico Sea, but the what side of Florida are they on? These are some questions. 
so he's in either an ocean or a sea, and a dolphin attempts to rape him, which is apparently way, way more common than you'd think. Uh, dolphin on on human sexual encounters are very common. They're very rarely consensual. And um, yeah, those bottlenosed freaks, they're disgusting. Um, uh, so a dolphin attempts to rape him. From the shore, it looks like he's saving the dolphin. And people are you know, taking photographs and videos of this. Uh, this guy who is saving, they presume, a dolphin. And he becomes this like instant celebrity. But the real the real Jasper runs away because he's a con man. He has to get out of Dodge. But some other random dude uh, decides that he is the dolphin savior and builds a music career um, out of being the dolphin savior. That's his um, non the pop music. And he becomes famous. Um, at the same time, uh, Jasper uh, goes to work in a kind of, not an aquarium, like one of those SeaWorld type deals. And um, because he is now um, unaccountably sexually attracted to dolphins and has no sexual desire for women at all. Um, so where was I? So Dolphin Savior, right? Yeah. He is going to perform a, a concert at... This is a fake dolphin saving not Jasper, who's the real one. Uh, so this is a very normal book where a lot of normal things happen. Very kitchen sink stuff. Um, so we've got like a billionaire tech guy wanting for microchips. There's just some sex dolls. It ends up being two sex dolls because Hazel's dad wants like this kind of freeway situation. There's dolphin rape. There's uh, Christian dolphin pop singers, unaccountable attraction to dolphins, um, like normal, normal book, just so normal. And um, yeah, I, I dug it. Uh, it's, I haven't, again, haven't read Tampa or um, Dangerous Things for Girls, whatever. I don't really like short stories. Um, and clean jobs for women and girls. Uh, and based on this, I'm, I'm really liking what Alyssa Nutton's doing. She's got a, she's got a pro style that's um, it's very peppy. It's very quick. It's uh, it does like actually move the reader along the page, and you don't really get that often. We talk about books being page turners or compelling prose, but it's rare that. Prose by itself will actually control uh, what the reader is doing, how quickly they do it. Uh, and this this does, unless I've just been drinking more coffee lately, which I haven't because no human could do that without dying. Quick prose. And you'd think, based on that description, that it would be very plot-driven, very bang, 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 points, stuff happening all the time, jumping through stuff and things are on fire all the time. But it's not. It's it's very um, people come to terms with things, which is normally uh, the genre I hate the most. It's also called uh, literary fiction. That's a kind of industry term for it. And it's um, yet it it really works. And I think a, a big chunk of that is the amount of digressions and just how made for my ADD adult brain 
Miss Nutting's prose style is. Uh, she will go on multi-page di- nested digressions, like I think I counted three inside one, uh, while the plot is happening at some kind of crucial points uh, to fill out these characters. She's like just the exact opposite of what a creative writing teacher, of which she actually is one, uh, would tell you to do about how to build your characters. You build them by putting them in a situation, you see how they react, and that shows you who this character is. You fill in any necessary backstory, but you don't need every single weird little detail of their lives. But uh, what she does here, which is really cool, I think, is she something will be happening, a crucial scene. Um, Hazel and her dad talking about her mother's cancer. And it should be a emotional scene where you're right there in the moment. And Miss Nutton will go into Hazel's high school. Nesson that will be her relationship with her mother. And an, an anecdote about a time they did a thing. You'd think, and she does this for Jasper too, and um, you'd think that it would get annoying, or it would break up the plot, or um, I'd be losing focus, any you know, more than they usually do, but it, she pulls it off. Bravo. Um, could be the, could be the prose, could be you know, she keeps the pace such a high clip that you can't really lose it because you're just bolting downhill at a thousand miles an hour. Um, could be just, she's such a, it seems like it's a crazy ride through whatever comes into her brain next, but it's actually a tightly controlled symphony. It's like some, uh, it's like when you listen to bands like Despel and Negro, there's the whole technical uh, death metal genre where it sounds like just crazy noise, but um, if you have the eye with, with brains like I do, then you'll, you'll know that it's actually signature changes and microtonal shifts and I don't actually know any of these musical terms. Um, but yeah, maybe she's in such tight control of it that it all comes together and it looks great. Or maybe she's just, maybe it's just all jazz. Maybe she's just uh, got her lips on the horn and she's just blowing and going crazy and at some point it just stops. Um, I'm inclined to the latter, but not in a bad way. Um, the the plot itself, um, I don't know if it's... I wouldn't say it has pacing problems. It has a, a structure that uh, seems uneven. I don't know if it's just because I study and think about and have studied at like Masters, MFA, MA level, like how, what a plot looks like according to these very scientific definitions and yeah it's stuff like solid sense it's kin guys like that and theories of narrative and just how big every bit should be but it seems like the this is a 300 page novel and it seems like the last 50 pages which is why i read just now in maybe under an hour it seems like those should be half the book and the other 250 pages should be the other half of the book. That it seems that what happens on page 250, which spoilers, uh, spoilers on right now, is uh, the two plots coming together. Uh, it seems that, that should happen 
somewhere in the middle of the book, and uh, it, it doesn't. It happens kind of right at the end. When you're, you know, when you're reading a book and you, you can see there's like a little sliver left, even though that sliver could be a couple of hours of uh, reading time, and you're like, yeah, we're, we're at the end now. It's like a, a tactile thing that tells you where you are in terms of the plot. And um, yeah, it, it doesn't seem, to me at least, that we should be at that point when you're feeling a little sliver of less than a half centimeter of pages left. You should be at the, um, you should be in the, the centre. You should be able to like open the book and it's nice, even side on both sides. But that was a problem. It wasn't a fatal flaw because even though I was in, for the majority of the book, I wasn't feeling that I'd been I was waiting for the plot to get going. Uh, there was always stuff happening, even though it, a lot of it wasn't too consequential. Uh, but there was, it was, it's no thrill, it's no thriller, you know, but it's not meant to be. And a lot of the stuff's happening in uh, Hazel's head um, through the digressions and uh, imagined dialogues with people and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like, okay, come on, okay, I get it, she's sad, you know, her dad's got a sex toy, her mum's dead, she's breaking up with her billionaire boyfriend, let's get things going, people. I wasn't thinking that, you know, I was thinking, okay, this is a kind of interesting person, she's, you know, I, I like spending time in this person's brain, let's just hang out here for a while, it's cool, let's crack up some cold ones and uh, reminisce about the toilet in your billionaire boyfriend's house. So yeah, structurally, on the level of pros, the whole craft thing, all good. Like, I finally get to take revenge on a creative writing teacher by giving uh, Alyssa Nuttin a 69. <laughs> out of 75. I grade out of 75. And, um, 69. Uh, I actually got my final grade, my uh, MFA was 69, which is not, not great, but I appreciate what they did. Yeah, I think they, they kind of, there were two people uh, graded my, my final dissertation, I guess, or final, uh, my final short story. And um, I think they may have got together and said, okay, what grade would this guy appreciate the most? It's going to be 69. You can't give him a 420 or a 666 and 13 is too low. 69 is literally the only grade we could give this guy and he'll be fine with that. And I was, I'd still am. And one of the people who graded me um, was the guy, a uh, fellow named Giles Foden, who wrote um, The Last King of Scotland, which got me in for a film which won an Oscar. And he was actually in that film. He's the, uh, a journalist who turns up towards the end. Um, I forget who else graded my papers. Anyway, this is not about me. Um, so let's, it's a little early. I can only wait to the like 30 minute mark before I uh, play some songs. But I wanna, I wanna play you a song right now. And I said in the last episode that if I ever uh, read a book that was semi to all about fucking, um, I would play Vastum and Pink Mass. And because there's not a lot of metal that involves sex. Um, people, I think, normies, 
the, the central man in the street would um, would think there'd be a lot of sex in metal. Um, and if you look in certain places, kinda. Um, but for the most part, uh, the interest in extreme music nowadays is being made by pale vegans who live in communes in the Appalachian Mountains and no, they don't fuck. They, I don't think um, Wolves in the Throne Room fuck. I don't think they've ever fucked. Prove me wrong guys, but you did make an ambient electronica album that technically re-virginizes you if you've ever fucked it. You're about. So yeah, not a lot of sex in metal. And there was, at one point, um, the first wave of black metal, the, the interesting wave. So for, for normies, who I understand um, constitute a large part of my audience, so the, the Bing users among you, uh, the ones who aren't running Ask Jeeves in its own little environment on your desktop, there's two waves of black metal. Black metal is the one where they go, and the drums like, they go like that. Death metal is the one where they're going like that. Um, bands, I'm available for vocals in both the black and death metal genres. So black metal is the one where they go and um, that when I started off, uh, bands like Venom, uh, Volcano from Brazil, I think, Chile. Uh, Vaughn from Hawaii of all places. Oh, solidarity with them, by the way. They've been through a lot this couple, last couple of days. I think uh, Celtic Frost kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah, they, they, they count. They forget where they're from. Uh, there's some, it was a very like international um, bands from literally all over the world. They weren't all white and they would sing songs about, about fucking. Um, a ton of um, blasphemy from here um, in Canada over in uh, Victoria, in BC. Uh, all that stuff's about fucking. It was about fucking and partying, drinking and Satan. That was like rock and roll stuff, you know? Because uh, Venom, who, it's not mince words, they started a whole black metal thing. They had literally a song called Black Metal. Yeah, they were, that's what they wanted. They, they wanted to wear pentagrams and fuck and drink because they were from the north of England. Not a lot to do up there. And then the second wave of black metal came along and you had guys like Euronymous from Mayhem saying, it is better to stay at home and cut yourself than have sex. You know, they're Norwegian. And that seems like literally all Norwegians, maybe a few Finns and Swedes. Contrary to um, stereotypes, uh, Scandinavians do not fuck. They just, they're sad. Uh, yeah, they hang, they just all a bunch of dudes hanging out in Euronymous's basement um, in his crappy failing record store. And then he went and burnt a load of churches, killed a bunch of people. Euronymous himself got killed by Varg Vickness. It, it, it's a whole thing, it's going to be made into a film. And it, it became very sexless. You know, go, go on the lyric sites and look up and try and prove me wrong on this. Go through like the classic releases, like uh, Nightside Eclipse, um, Transylvanian Hunger, all, all that stuff. Uh, go through like Immortal and um, Dark Throne, Mayhem, Emperor, Fawns, any of those. Try and, try and find evidence that any of these people has ever fucked. You will not find that. That is majorly to the detriment of the genre. But 
It's and death metal uh, has some sexy bits that not tend to be too sexy. Um, case in point, fucked with a knife by Cannibal Corpse. But um, yeah, they, they at least acknowledge sex exists, and there's like porno grind as a genre. It's even hentai grind right now. Maybe just a bandcamp thing, but it exists. It it should be destroyed. We need to focus humanity's efforts on destroying hentai grind um, before I have to hear any more of it. But it exists, and you know, those people obviously know the fuck, but they're they're aware of the concept at least, provided it involves Japanese children, pictures of. Uh, so where am I going? Yeah, uh, metal metal and sex not uh, very great bedfellows. And there's a couple of exceptions, so, and I'm going to highlight them here. Exception one, and this is a big exception, this is an exception enough to disprove the point, are Pink Mass out of New Jersey. They are five uh, beefy adult sons of Darth Vader and Pinhead from Hellraiser. They're, they're big, beefy boys, they're very strong. They're good boys, and they, uh, well, here on the band camp, um, one of them, a bass player, it looks like, has a, uh, a leather mask, a kind of harness type thing, Seem and it seems to be what I hope is a quite large dildo, seems to be about two feet in length with um, a number of nails um, stuck through it, and um, that's, um, that's obviously on his crotch area. And uh, wearing a lot of spikes and chains of leather, great uh, metal accoutrements, and um, yeah, they, they seem to be um, yeah, they're, they're, they're good boys, they're good boys, and um, they are a kind of grindy, uh, crusty, I guess, black metal band. I get probably more grindcore, but um, they're good as hell. And they have a song right here called FOAD and SBM that stands for Fuck Off and Die National Socialist Bat Metal. I like to echo that statement because National Socialist Bat Metal is not only um, the worst politically but also musically. And they really actually should fuck off and die. And that doesn't mean go away, that actually means go away and when you're away you should then die. So this is. This is off their album uh, Necrosexual, nice, nice title. Album art is amazing. Uh, it's, it's got like these, um, like, go and see it for yourself, but it's got these like uh, vaporwave colors applied to these like grade school drawings of demonic desecration, S&M, anarcho. It's amazing. It's like my, my brain got stuck into Photoshop and started producing album art. Yeah, Pink Mass, just the greatest. And I bet they are, they fucking slay live. I bet they are so good live. I know a few people have seen live who tell me that, and I bet that is an absolute truth. So, FOAD NSBM by Pink Mass off of Necrosexual.
Okay, and we're back. That was uh, FOAD and SBM, Fuck Off and Die, National Socialist Bat Metal, by Pink Mass off of Necrosexual. So good. Like, everything, like, that's, like, more bands do that, okay? I know that these guys are like, these guys like Guar, but I, I assume even normies know who Guar is. And uh, if you don't, you can watch Empire Records. I don't know why you'd want to do that, except the Guar in it. They're like the monsters that, that I hallucinates or something. I don't know, I've seen that film, it's a piece of shit. And um, yeah, Pink Mass are like sexy anarchist Guar, but you don't feel embarrassed and the music's actually good. And they're not all gonna die of heroin. That was mean of me, I should say things about people dying. Um, especially Odorous Arangus. He, he was actually okay. He was an okay guy. Um, let's get back into Made for Love. So, one thing that stood out to me as a flaw, uh, but maybe not in, well, actually an insurmountable one because the book has already been written and, um, you know, you can't, like, rewrite it. And no one does remakes of books. Have you ever noticed that? Like, people cover songs. Films get remade all the time, but no one ever like says, you know, I really enjoyed that one book that was really big, but I think I could do a version of that that's better. Like I used to read uh, when I was real little, like 10 years old, no less, eight, seven. I was precocious with reading. There was this uh, like children's, I guess kind of young adults that they really used to turn at the time, a series called Exiles of Colsec. Look this up, because it's bound to have like cover art that's just like pure 80s goodness. And it was about these uh, like cyberpunk kids from Earth who get exiled to an alien planet by Colsec or Colonization Sector, and you have to like survive on an alien planet uh, where there's all this like weird ecology. And that was so good. I, I bet it's a piece of shit. I, I bet if I read it now, um, I would claw my eyes out, I bet it's absolutely terrible. Because this was like young adult before young adult got good. But uh, I bet if I yeah, if I went back and, and did did my own one of those, I bet I could I bet I could knock that one out of the park. But no but I, I, I wouldn't because if I went to a literary agent with my manuscript of oh this is a remake of Exiles of Colsec, this book you've never heard of from the eighties, um, they, they would, they would say, it's that extra, man. You, you, we don't do remakes. Do, do a film. We remake, remake, I don't know, Transformers or something. We make the first Transformers film, which will probably be done. They'll reboot that one day. So anyway, um, what was I? Made for Love. So Made for Love. Um, it doesn't. It's not a satire of the tech industry. It's about the way we make people into what we need them to be, uh, especially when that comes to sex. Um, there's obvious stuff, uh, obvious ways it does that, um, like well, the title Made for Love, that obviously refers to the real dolls that um, Hazel's dad has. It obviously refers to the way um, Byron Gogol makes Hazel into his kind of experimental um, his lab rat, almost, for his um, technology. 
and also their very dysfunctional relationship and how controlling of her he is. But it's not uh, untrue of Hazel either. She she has a, a brief affair with a guy named Liver, as in a bit of your body that processes alcohol, something like that. And um, she is just broken up with Byron. She needs she needs to have an affair with someone, and she meets this dirt, absolute dirtbag in a bar and just has sex with him back at his weird shack in the woods surrounded by dead animal parts. Sometimes you need to do that, you know? Yeah, sometimes you need to get pounded out amongst a deer carcass. We've all been there. Don't tell me you haven't. And, um, yeah, and uh, Jasper, um, he takes advantage of that need, of that tendency in others by conning women into um, giving him money by becoming the person they need, he, they need him to be. There's a lot of it, and there's a semi-cheesy, um, I've learned my lesson bit at the end where Hazel really like, just has sex with a character, uh, I won't spoil it for you, and um, realizes that she just likes getting banged out sometimes. And um, yeah, and that's fine. That's cool. We don't need to make people part of our own private dramas. We can just get, you know, just get pounded. And um, so that's what the, the moral of the story is. But um, as commentary on the state of the tech industry, I, I know it isn't that, but it's something I think about a lot. So when I encounter a book where a main character is a um, tech billionaire, where he's a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk, and when that doesn't quite ring true to me, and when I, I don't see the uh, that an opportunity to critique this like major important part of our lives has been taken, then that 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 makes knocks it down from a sixty nine to a um, the next level down, which is thirteen, because that's the next cool number down. Uh, the next cool number down after that is zero, because the Smash Pumpkin song, and. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, the Byron himself is, um, he talks like Spock, he isn't very well uh, highly described, he's, I guess, um, we, the earliest we see him, he's in his very late 20s, uh, when the actual plot of the story starts, he's, I, I guess he'd be in his 40s, maybe late 30s, and he's a little older than Hazel, but, um, He's incredibly controlling, also very brilliant at technology itself. He has vague, he essentially, his uh, physical philosophy is just more technology, our lives will be better if we have more cool stuff to make things easy and interesting for us. In fact, he doesn't seem to have politics. I don't think he would, he, is quite happy with dealing with the government's and weaponry, and he's equally happy selling toilets to regular people. And yeah, he he has no politics. He's post politics, as I'm sure plenty of Silicon Valley people would hope they could be. Um, but yeah, he uh, we never get to see him talk about how Bitcoin's going to change the world. Uh, we, he never 
plays video games. He isn't 21. He doesn't go to um, sex parties at mansions where everyone takes Molly and ends up in cuddle puddles. Actual word. He doesn't talk in startup slang. Uh, he doesn't. He didn't come out of an incubator, which is just a house with a bunch of guys in it. He doesn't seem like any of the real cunts, the real cunts who do uh, cunty things to ruin the world. It doesn't seem like, uh, say, one, one example cunt would be uh, Palmer Lucky, who um, may have invented, may have stolen an Oculus Rift, which is just a VR headset. And um, during the time of the 2016 election, uh, Palmer Lucky gave a ton of money to some guys on Reddit who wanted to send dank memes in order to influence the election. And he, he, he was pro-Trump, so putting about, out a bunch of very particularly rare pepes um, was going to make Trump win. And I'm sure Palmer Lucky thinks he absolutely did that because he's like 17 and a billionaire and is probably probably really literally does think the sun sh shines out of his ass. He, if you asked him where does sun shine from, he would say oh, my anus, obviously. I'm 17, I invented a VR headset, although I kind of didn't. I stole it from the guys who made Doom or something. I forget how, this, how his whole life goes. And um, yeah, I got Trump elected because um, people on Facebook saw some Pepe's. But um, yeah, that's that's the kind of guy who's uh, making VR headsets now. And it's like, Oculus is like, I think it's on my Facebook now. Facebook bought him out. And uh, when you're on, you've got your Oculus on, your neck's hurting and your eyes are bleeding, but you're in the future, so it's fine. And you're on Facebook and you're talking to people. And, you know, that's because of some child who wanted Trump to be elected to own the libs. Uh, yeah, that's that's Silicon Valley. And um, I was reading a aggravating article today in New York Times. It's called Everyone is Getting Hilariously Rich and You're Not. It's got the two whitest assholes ever. Um, they're wearing Ethereum and Bitcoin sweaters, Frederick Fortier and Matthew Burrell, uh, respectively. And they're Bitcoin trillionaires, so they're not actually they don't actually have any real money. I've probably got more money than these people, and yet they live lives of Lamborghinis and literally dating model Bella Hadid at one point. And they go to Burning Man, and they they live in um, a incubator called the Crypto Castle. They all have um, hedge funds and ICOs, which are ICOs, I, full disclosure, I used to work at what might, under certain circumstances, um, through a, a very uncharitable lens, be called a quote-unquote hedge fund. I, I wasn't like a, like, what a hedge fund manager, I was just doing marketing, it wasn't a thing. But even with my incredibly limited financial education, through like being around people who actually you know, make money by investing in companies that make stuff for people to buy, 
and then they make more money and then the people you invest in it get money. I can tell initial coin offerings are bullshit. I mean, what even is, what even is an initial coin offering? Okay, so here's an initial coin offering. Say your company wants to raise a ton of money, but you don't want to work or do things or make something that people need. You do an initial coin offering. You invent a entirely new cryptocurrency that no one uses, that has no real value, and then you sell it to people and see profit. And there are billions of dollars going in and out of initial coin offerings right now. It's absolutely, it's such a bubble. And why can't none of these people see it's the dumbest and hugest bubble since tulips were a thing it's so it's gonna ruin the economy for everyone like i'm gonna be on welfare in a year from now because my company can't afford to employ me or anything else or even be a company because 23 year olds at the crypto castle and they look like the biggest bunch of cunts you'll ever see i don't want to i want to just bully everyone these i want to i want to like oh god yeah I, i'm looking at a, a picture right now they've, they've got a rick and morty poster on the wall uh, they just cunts, bunch of cunts. Um, I should um, change this so it's not uh, classes a clean podcast at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna put the uh, a link to this in the show notes. Uh, go if you have any like heart conditions, anxiety. Um, if you feel like if you live in San Francisco and own a gun. Um, I would like to shoot these people. I'm not saying don't do it, but uh, maybe don't read this article because it's you'll want to murder every one of these white, awful, awful human beings who are going to destroy everything for everybody and get away with it, just like all the hedge fund guys destroyed everything for everybody and got away with it. <sighs> yeah, and that that's who's. Silicon Valley right now and it's not these guys like um, Steve Jobs uh, even no even he's a bad example Steve Jobs was kind of um, kind of a hippie and he you know why he died right he died because he had liver cancer which has 85% survivability rate and instead of like trusting medicine and science you know the stuff like rationality, the stuff that like made him a billionaire. He decided that uh, he would handle the whole cancer thing with, I don't know, vitamins, crystals, raw water, whatever the fuck. And that's why Steve Jobs is dead and Apple's kind of blair now. That's why I, I want to buy a Android for my next phone rather than an iPhone. It's yeah, it he he doesn't seem anything like uh, Byron Gogol. Byron Gogol just seems like Spock. He just seems like a moral spot. Uh, he talks of he talks like a computer. He has seemingly no interests. Uh, yeah, he he seems like a robot. He seems and never to the point where it's um, annoying or where it's like a, a tick. You know, like like when when Spock is written quite badly on some episodes of Star Trek, um, where he says things like affirmative instead of yes. Like, why would you just not say yes? Um, but yeah, he, he, he's not like these people, these Bitcoin evangelists. And he's definitely not like people like Peter Thiel. Is it Thiel or Thiel? 
these like anarcho-capitalist to neo-reactionary monsters who want to privatize the entire U.S. government and for Elon Musk to become God Emperor. And um, yeah, it's uh, and I think if you if you're gonna write about this stuff because it's so it's so much our lives right now and it's so little understood just how insanely apart from our lives uh, Silicon Valley, it's like San Francisco startup VC scene, just how how these people are on the fucking moon and yet everyone has an Uber now, like I don't know the last time I've heard of anyone getting a taxi. Everyone has Ubers. Ubers fucking suck. Ubers are shit, both as an experience and as a business model. Uh, I, the only time I ever drunk drove was in an Uber. Well, being drunk driven, rather. I don't want to be drunk driven. I don't want to be another statistic. Too good for that. Yeah, and, and the politics behind these people and the way they live their lives. Um, a book I was going to, I'm really hoping to read this show uh, when it comes out in I think uh, yeah February 6th it's called Brotopia Breaking Up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley by Emily Chang uh, I read an article that again I'll link to about uh, the, the sex parties that uh, founders with a capital F have in um, Silicon Valley and just how like that would have made a really good uh, inclusion in Made for Love because it, it so perfectly melts together uh, tech and objectification and kind of instrumentalizing of human bodies okay well female bodies so they have these uh, orgies in beautiful houses and uh, for all the bitcoin billionaires and startup guys and these guys uh, don't have long relationships they don't really have girlfriends and wives They'll invite, you know, uh, Instagram fitness models and ladies like that up there. They'll all take a ton of molly, end up in a big pile of flailing limbs and sweat called the Cuddle Puddle. And uh, the women will go away feeling used and worthless. And the guys will talk about how they're disrupting the traditional uh, patriarchal modes of relationships. And women get nothing out of this. Like, if women go there, then they're, and they want to like be a founder or a startup person, then they just get called a slut. And it's all very, um, it's all very cat person. It's all very uh, Aziz Ansari's way of uh, conducting relationships. If you've read uh, that little thing, which broke my heart, I didn't like that guy. I mean, I, I didn't like uh, Master of None too much. I think that was a little overrated, but I thought it was an okay person. I wanted him to be an okay person. I wanted it to be okay people. So, um, yeah, uh, Protopia. I'm going to be doing that as soon as it comes out because that looks interesting as fuck. And I hate the people it talks about, and I want them all to die. I want um, that thing from, uh, was it you with Twilight? The, the Bond film where they're like, uh, blow up Silicon Valley and I want that to happen. I've been issuing a, probably more terrorist threats on this podcast than really I should. It's going to make monetizing it a little, little, little dicey for me. And you know, I don't want people like digging up all the terrorist threats I've made against 
Edmonton uh, in the last episode, Silicon Valley, and uh, all hydroelectric dams, which I also threatened, and actually gave advice of how to destroy. That's the previous episode, check it out. Um, yeah, and, uh, I promise, I'll tone down terroristic threats in future episodes. But uh, instead of hearing me talk about how you can actually uh, destroy the concrete that um, companies use to make uh, buildings by putting like a pound of sugar. You only need a pound of sugar and you can totally destroy concrete and it sets back uh, work for days on buildings. Do that. Uh, instead of me talking about stuff like that and um, like all the things you have in your kitchen that could be used to make explosives, let's instead go to Vastam's Bandcamp by type in and listen to one of their songs from their album Hole Blow. Nice. Uh, Hole Blow came out uh, last year, was it? Whoa, geez, two, 2015. It feels feels like it only came out recently. Uh, to Vastum are a band out of San Francisco, so Silicon Valley. They're probably all founders, probably Bitcoin billionaires. And um, they play death metal. It's uh, pretty much straight up death metal. Like, but it's very much about sex. It's very sexy. Uh, there's a really good interview with these guys in Vice magazine, I think it was. Um, uh, which I'll again link to in the show notes. Um, when they talk about A, having female members in a very, very metal job. Um, dominated genre and be actually talking about sex and um, some of it is you know it's it's death metal so they're not like pro sex or indeed anything but it's it's not it's not gore stuff like cannibal corpse would do it's more that sex is weird and gross and if we just took a step back we have realized how gross and weird it is and how it's about holes, holes below, and putting things into them and jiggling those, those things around, and then stuff comes out, and the holes make stuff too, and there are even more holes if you're adventurous. It's like a third of people, I think, have engaged the, the full monopoly of holes. Um, and it's a very odd, odd thing. And, and looking at it is is strange. And, and yet we all want to do it all the time, and billionaires, do it in cuddle puddles and birds do it and bees do it elon musk apparently went to one of these uh sex parties i don't see why not i mean he's being single right he's uh there was also a i remember for a while back i don't know if i'll be able to dig this up because i don't know where it came from like i think maybe in vanity fair an article by one of his uh his ex-wife elon musk's ex-wife about um, her relationship with him. And I'd love to dig that up because I I think, I'm gonna hazard a guess, it may have been a little bit of a um, influence on Made for Love. It's possible, who knows. But Vastum though, Vastum, right? Vastum, yeah. Yeah, Vastum. Uh, they're really, really good straight up death metal about fucking. And their album art is, really actually very it's actually very nice it's a nicely um 
graphically designed piece of album art. And I'm going to be playing a song off uh, Hole Below. It's going to be called In Sickness and in Death. I'm not sure if this is about fucking. It doesn't particularly give that vibe, but it's death metal, so they could be singing about literally anything. And CD and vinyl is on 20 bucks spin. The label I have no particular feelings for, one way or the other, but uh, they put up Vastum, so that's pretty decent. I think Vastum are also on uh, one of my faves. Um, yeah, they may be on Primor. No, 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 I think they, they put out stuff on Sentient Ruin, one of my faves. faves. But, uh, so here's In Sickness and Death off the uh, whole blow. Uh, next week, oh, more, more fucking. Um, next week, I finally managed to track down a copy of a book called The Sarah Book uh, by Chris McCullum. Um It was published by Tyrant Books, who are controversial, and um, but I don't see why. And um, it's apparently incredibly good, and it kind of flew under a lot of people's radars. Uh, Roxanne Gay likes it. She also likes Made for Love, so good taste. And um, it's apparently really good, really dark. It's set in Appalachia. Uh, it's about about a divorce, but uh, I, I flicked through and it's got some like stylistic stuff. It's got pictures in it. Um, it may be the greatest book I'll ever read. Maybe some old rich shit that I'm gonna regret ever touching, um, but I'm going to be talking about it next week. So until then, let's listen to In Sickness and Death by Vastum of Hold Below on 20 bucks spin with some really nice album art. And let's think about fucking. And, and let's, let's, let's fuck people um, gently and with care and with um, affirmative and ongoing consent. Let, let's do that. Let's do that for me and let's do that for Vastum. We, we both are sex positive, me, me in particular. <laughs> <laughs> 